Jack Strickland, head of freight market intelligence, Anthony Smith, chief economist here on Freightonomics. For those of you watching at Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, uh, new spot, I think, for the next couple of weeks for rest of January. Of yeah, don't don't get too used to it. No, I think we're I think we're going to be heading back to the old Thursday slot here in February. So stay tuned for that for sure. Uh, but Anthony Smith, we are here in the was it the second or third week of January? Going into the third Going week. Going into the, the third week, yeah, third true. week yeah. and we still have a, re a pretty interesting environment. I don't think people quite expected what we're seeing with freight volumes. Uh, even though they're still down year over year, we're, we're certainly not seeing, you know, some sort of shift back to the other side of things. But they're surprisingly resilient. We're still seeing some spinning behaviors mm -hmm. that are reminiscent of pandemic life. And how long will that last? So, so that's <laughs> going to be one of the. I mean, we're looking at spin. Of course, you see me looking down. As always, I am watching and monitoring LinkedIn. So, if you want to jump in on the conversation, have a question, got a comment have a point to make, jump into those comment sections right here and be a part of the show. But it's very concerning. We're looking at what's going on with spending, especially on the consumer side, because we see the savings rate is so low. And I've been talking about this for, I don't know, a few months now, maybe a couple of months. I feel like 2021 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, as a thing. It, it, it has been. And it's like the savings rate continues to go lower. I mean, it, it ticked up. I think it was like 0.2 percentage points, um, the most recent release, but it's still at historic lows that we haven't seen since around 2005 for yeah. the most part. And, and, and we're starting to see some of this stuff as well with the company's e expenditures. Like, you know, again, this is lagging uh, type information that, that I'm referencing here a little bit. However, like, I feel like, you know, and we, we get our high frequency data. So it's like March of last year, we were basically like, all right, Party's over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas a lot of people, you know, it took a while to kind of manifest uh, in the environment. So we're going to talk about how we're, you know, potentially overspending ourselves into kind of a debt hole in the future uh, here a little bit. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But first up, Anthony, let's give everybody, let's set the table. Yes. With a little two minute market update. What do you think? Starting it off in three, two, one. Oh. All right, let's lead off with the home run hitter here. If you're if you're watching Freight Waves now this morning, I referenced this. Uh, Craig Fuller wrote an article basically referencing this exact data set. This is our demand side index, outbound tender volume index, and it measures the total number of tenders submitted from shipper to carrier. The higher this value goes, the higher this index goes, uh, the more demand there is in the environment. And right now, we're coming out of the holiday that white line that you're looking at, because we're looking at year over year over year over year, uh, the white line is the current year, 12-month uh, cycle, and we came out of that holiday, I don't want to call it hot, Anthony, but it was, it was higher than when we went into the holiday. So shipping activity, I uh, talked about this a little bit last week, a little elevated to expectation. We're still not where we were in 2019, uh, which is the orange line there but we're way down below 2021 and 2022. So demand is still, we haven't broken trend necessarily. And it looks like here this week, we took another little dip yesterday. This is gonna be the index to watch moving forward. However, any demand side condition changes, which I think we're, I don't know that we're gonna see those in January, but 
Time will tell. Let's go to the next one and look at our outbound tender rejection index in white line and our national truckload index there that measures spot rate activity. You can see both of these indicators are showing loosening activity, both coming down. Tender rejection rates coming down out of the holiday. Spot rates in the blue line coming down after the holiday. Looks like there's a little bit of support there. On the spot market, uh, rates are still not all the way back to where they were. However, tender rejection rates down to where they were, mid-November levels, sub-4%, uh, meaning that shippers can get just about capacity whenever they want. The last but not least index chart that I want to look at, the IOTI, the Inbound Ocean TEUs Index, measuring demand uh, of, for container shipments going from all over the world to the United States, that white line right there. Chinese New Year, non-existent. We're still underperforming the last several years, including 2019, Anthony Smith, which is the year that everybody wants to talk about in terms of returning to normal. Uh, and I would argue that 2019 was not that normal. It was not a normal year. And it was one of those times where we had a freight recession, but mm -hmm. not a macro recession. And at this point in time, it's almost like we're seeing an overlapping if there was like a Venn diagram of both of mm -hmm. a freight slowdown yeah. at a significant level and an economic slowdown at a pretty significant level as well. Um, one of the big things that you just mentioned there, China is, I think, a very interesting topic right now. So we're looking at China. Um, one of the big things, of course, the lockdowns that they had, now we're seeing that this getting re re like kind of loosened up. Now we're seeing COVID cases spiking. We're just seeing so much happen right now with China and there's a lot of uncertainty kind of around it. How will they impact the global supply chain or global demand or global supply of goods? And really, when we're looking at nearshoring and reshoring, it's a big initiative, but it's not something that's just going to happen overnight. I mean, no, no, no. You can just build a factory and oh, and it's it's really quick. They have them in a box now. You remember how they used to do it? And You're they, right. You, you can, can 3D print them now. Yeah, you can 3D print them. Everything. <laughs> 3D printing. But, but of course. Still don't fully understand. I don't understand it either. <laughs> I don't understand it either. It's yeah. just, and then, like, I heard you can 3D print a house. Yeah. But now we're, just, we're just getting in a, a, a dark spiral here. But really, it's just that there's so much uncertainty with China. And the other big part about it is what type of demand will China have mm -hmm. if they do fully come back online after the COVID cases? Do we see a spike in demand coming from China? Do if they're like it? us, yeah. no. It'll go the other way. <laughs> right. Demand falls apart because they've been sitting in their house too long. But I, they're not like us. Right. <laughs> so there's just so many questions there. It's, I, I really do like that IOTI chart at the very last part of it. Um, the other big thing, of course, looking at an international level, um, we talked about a little bit this morning, but also, of course, Ukraine and Russia. Um, that's just going to be an ongoing thing. And I think, of mm. course, it's not, it's not getting as much press and attention. I think that's probably what Putin wants is for it to not get as much press and right. attention just so he can kind of keep covertly doing things and not draw a lot of attention. But that's just going to be another area, especially when it comes to um, one of the big detractors from the last CPI report, energy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, we still haven't flushed out everything from the pandemic era. And of course, the Ukrainian invasion is still a thing that, you know, it's kind of out of the news cycle, yeah. uh, as you mentioned. And I, it, I don't think we've actually seen any like significant reason to think that's not going to persist for at least the near future. Uh, however, when it does, that could have some impacts on supply chain and global demand and the economic situation. So that could be uh, one of those potential upsides mm -hmm. that we see if that hopefully that gets resolved this year to the positive end <laughs> of things. Um, and that's, you know, that helps stabilize the global economy. Um, but to your point, China, uh, the lockdowns, I don't 
see them as having a significant impact to us domestically. Do you? Is there is there anything there? I don't I don't see too too much. Um, of course, we did hear that there was like a lot of mandatory testing if someone wanted mm-hmm. to fly from China to the U.S. Things like that. But um, when it terms of domestic, what we're going on through here, I I, I look to Europe a little bit more as an yeah. influential of like, all right, this could be a somewhat similar situation what we might be facing here in the yeah. U.S. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't foresee that being a big influencer here for sure. Uh, let's, uh, let's segue into the news of the week here. News a little bit of a slow news week, at least thus far. I mean, it's holiday week, Martin Luther King uh, Jr. holiday as of yesterday. Typically, we see about a 2 to 3% drop in tender volumes during this week. Um, it's kind of interesting because it's not traditionally like a huge trothing holiday, but it is noticeable uh, in, in terms of the environment. So there could be some companies out there that don't know that we do see a slight deterioration in activity this week, um, even though it's not one of the big six yeah. that we talk about. And I mean, this was uh, one of the things, of course, we had other news items, said yeah. slow news week. Um, uh, UPS, really, um, some of those workers pushing for right. having this as a paid holiday for them as well. Follow step with uh, USPS mm-hmm. as well. So um, definitely it, it would make sense just because we do see that that dip off mm-hmm. in overall activity. So makes a lot of sense there. Um, but really looking at some of the news cycles that I saw from my end, mm-hmm. one of the big things that jumped out at me was the Empire State Index Act. So this just got released um, Mm -hmm. not too long ago this morning. Um, And what we saw from the Empire State Index was a downward movement of New York. Yep, New York. (laughs) So it's it's essentially a federal regional index that measures manufacturing activity within the New York region. And what we saw was a downward movement of 39 or 32.9%. So that is pretty significant. Not good. Not good. No. The lowest level since May of 2020, I believe. Um, so that is definitely, let me just double check that. I, w- I want to say it's of May of 2020. Um, and so that's definitely, it is um, one of the areas that we're looking at right now that's showing that there's ongoing weakness in manufacturing. We saw previously the ISM PMI contracting for a consecutive month. We saw a new orders component come down. We saw the backlog of orders come come down. For within the new uh, Empire State Index, we saw that um, that there was also a decline of 27.5 points for new orders and shipments declined 22.4 Is that points. month over month? Month over month. Month over month. Oh, man, that's a pretty sharp... Yeah, it's a very sharp decline. And this is just for the region, but it just definitely shows is, it that, is there some seasonality in there? There is some seasonality. Uh, you know, just things get a little bit uh, weaker during the winter okay. months for sure. But um, this is even seasonality aside, still a, a weak okay. result um, overall. And it definitely shows that there is some significant slowing down for manufacturing. We get industrial production released tomorrow. The expectations there is that there's going to be either a 0.1, downward movement. Um, we're seeing that manufacturing is just definitely slowing down. I think there has been a substantial pull forward throughout much of last year with the yeah. anticipation of interest rates going up. Um, a lot of just in case, hey, let me get, make sure I have this component or this machinery or this capital expenditure pulled it forward. Now we're seeing a hold off on investment into capital goods expenditures. A lot of companies are saying, hey, we're going to wait for now. Yeah, and, and there is one uh, release that happened in uh, December that we just got, ACT Research, the Class 8 orders. Does It does show month-over-month month deterioration, but it's still well above. It was 30,000, it was over 30,000 orders in the month of December, which is 
sequentially down, mm. but year over year still elevated or actually historically elevated. We hit that record order uh, value back in August or September, I believe. And it was kind of a shock yeah. to a lot of people that it was that high. And this idea that we still have some lagging pent up demand uh, going on right now. And I think that might be still some of the things that we're fleshing out. And kind of on top of that, Anthony, and I want to get your thoughts here, is that this this idea, the, the Fed's raising interest rates, which of course raises interest rates yes. <laughs> uh, for, for people like you and I and companies, uh, they now, the cost of money is now higher. So some of these capital expenditures and this lagging kind of wave of activity, even though we're seeing industrial production slow down, are we starting to, I mean, with these interest rates rising, this is now going to cost more mm -hmm. to do this activity now than it did at the beginning of the year, correct? And then as people continue to spend, we're actually not going to feel that full level of impact because of the rising interest rates until later, right? Yeah, it's, it's, interest rates are going to just have a longer-term impact, and that's what they're kind of in place for. There's going to be some short-term mm -hmm. implications, of course, when you're looking at you know home purchases and vehicle purchases, where it's like, hey, just so it goes up, you say if it went up 5% overnight, those things are definitely going to be you know hampered, and that's what, one of the things that we saw, of course, in the latest CPI report, used cars mm -hmm. um, really coming down quite a bit in a meaningful way, and of course, they skyrocketed over the last few months uh, or throughout many months throughout the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but definitely it's going to be one of those areas that you see as a longer-term play mm -hmm. and a longer-term plan. And that's one of the big criticisms as to why there wasn't an earlier right. uh, interest rate increase um, throughout the midst of the pandemic. Right. Once we had you know a lot of stimulus and it was just kind of slow to the party. But at that time, um, there was this big belief at, at the federal level that any type of inflation it felt was going to be transitory. And, you know, it might still be transitory, just depends on what your definition is. If your definition of transitory is uh, it moves. Three, two to three years, <laughs> yeah. you know. It moves, yeah. literally, by definition. And so I don't, I don't fully understand what they meant by transitory, to be honest. They never really communicated that effectively, in my opinion. Uh, but again, maybe he wasn't talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't think he was, <laughs> to, be, to be clear. Yeah, so this, you know, so from a capital expenditure standpoint, though, we have some rules, some new tax laws that were put in place in the Trump era right. that allow you to take, especially trucking fleets, can take the entirety of the depreciation now if they want. So I think some of that might be a financial play mm -hmm. uh, because they can write things off and absorb that into 2022's numbers and write that down in a, I'm not going to say a strong year, but a relatively strong year. And then 20, they're basically set up for replenishment cycles in 20, uh, 2023, 2024. Right. And a little bit stronger. So I think there might be some financial market gaming going on there that I think is a pretty savvy move if that's the case. But time will tell uh, to see what that's doing. But orders are still strong. So, but I'm not reading it as like, oh, the market's going to turn and get better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's really all I'm trying to make in that point. So Craig Fuller, yeah. CEO of Freight Waves, uh, put out a piece, uh, and I've had several questions on it, so we should answer them here. <laughs> Not that I can read his mind, but I generally have a good idea of what he's thinking. Uh, High-frequency truckload data suggests the freight market appears to be stabilizing. Well, I just laid it out for you, that OTVI coming out of the holiday. Now, back in the day when I was 
in it. <laughs> uh, pricing guy, quoting freight, et cetera, financial analyst trying to figure out why we're making or losing money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that I had certain seasonal expe- expectations about January. And so if I come out of the holiday and looking at the OTVI and it's up here, when every single other year it's down here compared to December, <laughs> um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to feel like summer came early yeah. <laughs> or springtime came early. And that's what I think we're seeing is that it is, you know, because Craig talks to a lot of people and there's a lot of uh, people out in the space that uh, probably woke up one day in January and said, whoa, this is, this ain't that bad. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing is that it, it may be the start of some stability. We might have already seen some level of bottoming in late 2022 because if we looked at the data then it was pretty slow. I mean, relative to what we expected, spot rates really didn't get off the ground. Uh, uh, rejection rates were below inflationary levels. And I think that's what we're seeing is it looks like there's some stability here, but for me, I'm gonna hold off on making the call <laughs> this early, uh, but it's definitely something that everybody should watch for because if we floor out in February, uh, you know, January, February, that's a pretty good sign. I'll take yeah. that yeah. in the long run. Yeah, and one of the things that um, really that kind of comes to mind when you start thinking about you know trajectory and um, hitting a bottom and then shifting into a different cycle is really the road back because mm-hmm. um, recovery looks many different ways. I mean, we're looking at a recovery; it can be rapid. You know, we talked about when the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was talking about it's going to be a U shape, a V shape, a K shape. What, what kind of recovery are we going to see? Uh, one of the big things that we could see in a recovery is that, hey, things just kind of ramp right back up. Another thing is, is that that recovery can kind of just be long and drawn out and you see this um, bottoming, but now we're just seeing a slow rise up. And I think that's really going to be very telling of you know, how we kind of come out of this. Is it going to be a fast recovery? Because you mentioned definitely, I think, brilliantly early on in the pandemic, the faster things kind of shoot up, the faster they can certainly come down. And when you see a steady rise up, there builds a little bit more infrastructure. There's a little bit more yeah. stability. There's that, that you know, that stability of, hey, this is not just going to just be a falling dagger, you know, one day. Yeah, I, I kind of make the analogy of if you look at trees that grow the fastest. You have poplars, sycamores. uh, They're the first to fall in a storm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's because they grow really fast. It's a competitive behavior, trying to shade out all the other trees and all the other growth. But they grow up so fast that their wood becomes very brittle. And there's a lot of porous. The oak, very dense, slow grower. Uh, That's what you want because they're a little bit more stable. However, their roots aren't great. (laughs) But the, the point of the analogy is that fast growth can lead to a very weak, uh, unsustainable um, economic behavior. Right. So they're not built on value, is, is I guess the point. Uh, the only times that I think that's actually good is when technology really takes hold, when we have a new technology. Uh, that tends to be the economic burst that we need. And I, I'm looking at the EV, Anthony Smith, the electronic car, <laughs> electric, electric vehicle, uh, to help s- spur that growth. Uh, I think that's going to be the big transitory or transitionary um, thing that kind of drives economic growth in the near future. Yeah, I heard you can get a Tesla for quite a deal these days. Now you can. <laughs> now you late. can. I, I mean, the technology is still relatively young, but that's, that's something that we all kind of 
are going to need, want, slash. I mean, if you've driven one, they're, 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 you don't lose any power. And that yeah. was a big criticism of a lot of people early on is you lose all the power with the, there's, you got to have gas. No, right. no, you don't. <laughs> get in, get in one of those and uh, tell me that you've lost anything. It's yeah, a, I, I think that's a great point there. And we start looking at what kind of disruptors, mm-hmm. um, in a sense, are not just, hey, a, uh, uh, fly-by-night trend, but yeah. really, all right, this is a game-changer to elevate where we are, and now this is just a new platform that we're going to just kind of jump from. I definitely think that, you know, that type of um, vehicles and mm-hmm. automation is just one. Automation is almost one of those things that you never come back from. Right. Um, like when you give government any kind of, uh, you know, security mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, let them kind of get, it's hard to reel it back in. And so, yeah. Um, exactly. Automation is one of those areas where it's just like, all right, this can be automated now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to bring that back. And it only gets easier and, and more um, capital or easier for, for uh, on a capital sense because mm-hmm. the technology gets better. That you know, The way to make it and produce it gets a lot easier. The combustion so. engine has been out of date for uh, uh, over half a century in terms of our technology capabilities, et cetera, which just when you build infrastructure, sometimes infrastructure can hold you back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what, we're, what we've seen with that. So I think we're finally at that inflection point where we're going to start to see that potentially take hold. Um, you know, looking at uh, another thing here. So this kind of coincides with my thought that consumer consumers are still spending like they were in the pandemic era. Like they haven't learned that you can't just throw everything on a credit card yet. And I'm looking at our the chart of the week that I wrote this week. Didn't necessarily directly measure consumer spending behavior, but that OTVI is in there. So I want to compare IOTI and OTVI. And this is... Uh, these two figures are demand side indicators. So one of them is telling me, uh, basically, this is what shippers expect their demand to their demand needs to look like here in the next couple of months. Mm. IOTI is all the containers that's in the white line there, all the container 20-foot equivalent units coming into the United States. OTVI is domestic truckload movement. <laughs> have an obvious clear-cut, stronger-than-I-expected connection <laughs> over the last uh, three years, an 85 correlation coefficient. Look at that. It's statistically fantastic. <laughs> uh, however, they are breaking apart a little bit as the pandemic has come to its end, and that relationship is changing. But there's still takeaways here. They're both, trajectory-wise, in the long run, still headed downward. And I think what we're seeing is consumers... Once they figure out, this is what concerns me, once they figure out all that spending that they're putting on the credit card, that feels like a leveraging of the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I, I, I'm right there with you because I think the only thing that will shake consumers out of this, I think, potentially dangerous um, you know, trend here is any kind of shakeup in the job market, the labor mm-hmm. market. Right now, we're looking at the labor market. Of course, there's over... 10 million job openings, but of course that's a lagging indicator. The types of jobs are not that stellar right now. Mm -hmm. We're looking at what's available for the consumers, but um, there's still jobs available for a lot of folks. We saw the quit rate was still generally elevated going into the new year. Um, So that was a good sign for a lot of folks, but really it's also a a negative for a lot of folks that have this, you know, sense of confidence Mm -hmm. and the overall macroeconomy and aren't really preparing themselves and getting ready for any kind of financial shakeup in the future because these folks that are leveraging credit cards, they 
we talked about revolving credit card, but non-revolving is, is extremely high at the moment at the right now. Um, we're looking at these consumers continue to make these purchases. They're putting themselves in a much worse position should there be any, any shakeup in the job market. Now, um, this is going to be one of those areas that concerns me the most because that's where all the strength comes from. It's coming from, hey, I can get a new job tomorrow. I can keep on buying. Yeah. And I, I'm going to be just, False sense okay. of security False is of really security. What, it, what, it, what, I boil it, what it boils down to here. Yeah. And this, uh, th- this is why I point out the IOTI and OTVI is because it is, One's a very near-term demand side indicator. One is a forward-looking demand side indicator in the maritime side. And to me, right now, the downstream is still kind of fluffed up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's not fully recognizing it. However, the upstream appears to be expecting. And and some of the uh, analysts are saying, this is just inventories correcting. And once that levels out, once we hit the floor there, that'll start to go back up. This is spring volume that they're pulling into the country that they're expecting. I don't know that they had that much inventory for spring volume. This still looks to me like a very much like we're not seeing it. I mean, the price of eggs is over five bucks still. I mean... Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, we're looking at inventory. It's one of the things that kind of concerns me a little bit is... Um, say we, we draw down inventories, that replenishment aspect, um, because mm-hmm. we're going to have to replenish those inventories eventually with the correct stuff, not just, hey, yeah. what do we have that, because the consumer is going to buy anything. I think we're out of that. Consumer is going to just buy anything and everything we have at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other big thing is the U.S. dollar. It was very strong throughout the last few years. Any kind of weakening in that U.S. dollar means that importing is going to be that much more expensive adding to inflationary pressures moving forward. So what are you saying, Anthony? We're not out of the woods yet. And that, you know, one of the big things that no one's really talking about is the value of the U.S. dollar. Downward movement in that U.S. dollar means prices are going to be a little bit higher to import goods out of the country. Coming from the guy that called inflation in 2020. Uh, so, I mean, pay attention. All right, that'll do it for our show this week. Everybody had a, have a great week and uh, drink water. Drink water. <laughs> Get sleep if you need it. <laughs>